Hey, 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 it's me, Katie here. Grab a notebook, add a cuppa, and join me in the Sociology Staff Room. Hello, and welcome to the Sociology Staff Room. I am Katie Tyler, and I've got a guest today, Garnet. Hello. Hello. Hello, and we're going to be talking about metacognition today. Um, so first of all, um, thank you for coming on. And I'm really excited because actually this is something I'm personally really, really interested in. I'd love to see your take on it and about some mm. ideas off you. But first of all, what? Uh, tell me a, bit, a little bit about yourself, like your sort of background in teaching. Um, right, so I'm originally from Canada, so I did all my teacher training in Canada, and I think I got what was the equivalent of a liberal arts degree, so my major was in sociology, my minors were in history and English, so I didn't actually start teaching sociology until I moved over here, um, because it's not an option at home to teach. Um, so I just kind of fell into teaching the A-level sociology as you do. They saw that I had a sociology degree at the school I was at at the time. They said, oh, can you teach some sociology? I was like, okay. Um, so yeah, and then I started at the school I'm at presently 11 years ago and I introduced the sociology A-level um, just before COVID. So it's relatively new here, but it's really picking up in popularity. We've gone from one to two classes, which Amazing. for the size of the school I'm at, that's it's good. That's good. <laughs> Oh, amazing. Yeah. It's lovely to hear that, isn't it? Like, And obviously the data recently, or I say last year, it was like, I think the fifth most popular subject, sociology in the UK. Mm. So it's it's grown in popularity. And I think, you know, there's sort of a change around what students want and their sort of diet of, of education. So mm. um, we can hear talk about metacognition. Mm -hmm. And some people might have, it's one of those words, isn't it? It's one of those buzzwords, you know, like there's yeah. a couple of buzzwords at the moment in, ed in education. Uh, adaptive learning being one of them. The other one is metacognition. Mm -hmm. uh, assessment for learning has been around for a long time. But what do you understand or what do you understand as, as metacognition? Metacognition is really the, well, there's there's a few strands to it, but ultimately what the goal of metacognition is getting our students to be able to self-regulate themselves. So being able to identify their strengths and weaknesses, but also it's that idea that you throw like an exam question at them and they don't panic. They can use their toolbox to answer those questions. Um, so some people define it as about thinking about thinking, but I don't think it quite that you know it captures what metacognition is because uh, there's actually a few strands to it that the teacher is responsible for, and then that then reciprocates with what the students responsible for. But it's really I just think it's a way to get them to self regulate. Okay, cool. Cause yeah, I've heard a lot as yeah, it definitely makes sense because I hear it a lot as as like you said, thinking about thinking, and I think that definitely makes sense within sociology because you are thinking about thinking about thinking, thinking. But, oh, <laughs> yeah, um, and but also it's a, an opportunity for students to like as you said, self regulate, and then you yeah. just said that there's some things that teachers are responsible to enable yeah. students to how do you say medical. Be to be able to self-regulate, yeah. Yeah, to be able to self-regulate, be reflective. That's a, that's a more basic term that's not full of lingo, but just to be reflective <laughs> and to be honest about their reflection in order to make progress. Um, so there's really kind of three, like metacognition itself falls under self-regulation, a bigger umbrella, which I won't go into today, but there's cognition aspects, so learning about learning, metacognition, which is self-regulation, and then the third strand is motivation. But under me metacognition, the sort of things that we look at are um, knowledge of our strengths and weaknesses, but that kind of comes last because what we first of all have to do is give knowledge of um, knowledge of uh, strategies. So as teachers, we're giving them constantly strategies about how to maybe attack this exam question, how to take notes, sort of a lot of the practical skills that are, are needed for our subjects. So that might look different. I know from teaching psychology, that looks very different between the two subjects. And then 
giving them opportunities to have knowledge of task where they're put in situations that can be slightly uncomfortable, but they have to use and unpack that toolbox to sort of basically plan, monitor and evaluate how they went about um, uh, uh, going about that task we've asked them to do. So when I'm looking at knowledge of, sorry, I'm just rambling because I can talk all day. No, no, sort of stuff. <laughs> no, I'm really, really interested because I feel like I, I didn't know there was, I knew there was strands, but yeah. I didn't know there was that many. And I know yeah. what, I, please talk, please. Yeah. So when I'm looking at knowledge of strategy, I'm looking at, I'm reflecting on my teaching and how I am equipping my students with those tools. So I do a lot of work and in reading into things like cognitive load theory dual coding all that to sort of ensure that the resources I'm giving and the instructions I'm giving are equipping them with those tasks so that's a lot so that's where the teacher comes into play and again I could go on hours about that but I'm going what to do that. What might that look like? So, um, like on a so, sort of like very practical sense yeah, if we give maybe so, like a, an example that's a core, core unit. Yeah so in sort of in terms of let's say cognitive load um, when I'm introducing a lot of keywords like functionalism, for example, so I might be introducing functionalism and we might be looking at anime, collective conscience, value consensus, all those keywords. So what I would probably do is to start with is we go through what those keywords mean. And then what I would want to then move on to doing is then looking at, like, say, a news article about how we could apply those key terms in sociology. But one thing with cognitive load, with like I teach from PowerPoint, we have something called the transient effect. So as soon as those slides disappear, students are likely to forget those keywords. So what I will do, and I'm sure most people do this anyways, but this is a way to reduce cognitive load. When we're when we're looking at articles, I have those keywords up on the board so that they're, they're not forgotten, they're there, and they can start um, um, applying it to the article and then eventually you take those scaffolds away once they get more confident and comfortable in doing that so just by putting those keywords up there you're reducing the cognitive load and then increasing their ability to concentrate and feel confident doing the task so that's one way that might look mm. um, another another strategy I tend to use is a lot of live modeling so I've gone away slightly from having the model paragraph already there to live modeling it in the lesson so they can see my thought process as I go through it and showing them and explaining to them, this is where we've got some knowledge and understanding. This is where we have some analysis. This is where we have some application. And they start to see that first and foremost, that me as the teacher, I still have to do these processes. Um, and then they can start to see how they can start modeling that in their own uh, their own um, in their own sort of practice in terms of what they're doing um, and then sort of knowledge of task is this idea this idea that um, giving them something to do but it's that whole idea that a lot like if we give students an exam question like an essay question for example they tend to panic to start with um, because they don't a realize there's an item there that is there to help them <laughs> and uh, b it's not that scary class so um, I do a lot of activation of prior learning so I'll start looking at exam question going, uh, right, what do you understand about what's there? So comprehension. Then we make a connection. So what's in the item? And then from that, we make other connections in terms of, well, what else have we looked at within this unit's media and crime? Um, and then we look at, okay, we've looked at exam questions before. What strategies have we used in order to, say, answer a relative importance essay? What strategies should we use in order to answer this argument? Um, and then at the end, we sort of evaluate um, okay, how did that go? Did that work? Did that not work? And so I'll start by modeling that, but in sort of wanting to equip my students with the tools that they can use a variety of tools, eventually, again, those scaffolds come off. And so when you're 13 right now, it's a lot of, okay, we've done a lot of this in year 12, me modeling it. 
you now unpack your toolkit and you answer, you work out how to, using these steps, plan out an answer. Mm, so it's really sort of breaking those down stages of the yeah. students getting into things yeah. and, and, and allowing them the scaffold in place so they're sort of not, yeah. oh my goodness, I've got to remember all the keywords related to functions and crime exactly. for sake or functions yeah. in education. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so what I've actually done this year, I've again reflected upon it and I've moved away. So a lot of teachers use acronyms like Keel or Peace. I've actually moved away from those this year and used prompts instead. Have I introduced sociology key terms? Have I explained those key terms? Because that's more a way of getting them to reflect when we're wanting them to look at essays they've written or works that work they have written. And it, I'm finding the 13s with these prompts are being actually more reflective on how and honest with how their marked work is so far than if I would have just said, okay, so what do we mean by point? What do we mean by explain? What does analysis mean? So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I feel like, I mean, I, I definitely, I do use Peel with an ace as well. And I can, I, you know, I do that and I do that more in year 12. But yeah, I, I feel that in as the students go on, I've started, I've, when, especially when I do feedback, it's exactly the same, is mm -hmm. starting to ask them those questions. You know, what does, when you say analysis, what have you done? Like, have yeah, you yeah. asked yourself how this works or why, yeah. what the limitations, getting to really think about that. With, with sociology, and I'm mm -hmm. just sort of question with, because I think I, I'm, I am a personally big fan of metacognition mm -hmm. and, you know, <clears throat> a lot of those strategies, are, you know, I, I must admit, I, I do try and use in my lessons. Yeah, which I'm um, sure we all do, so yeah, it's nothing and I'm sure new. Of, <laughs> no, well, no, but I think it's good as a refresher. I think yeah. it's really, really good yeah. as a refresher. And I think there's like, you know, newspaper articles are really great, like you said, to show that application because it gets them to think about mm -hmm. um, the item as well. So they're getting them used, used thinking about, applying it to text I think teachers use I know music and they use um, video clips or whatever mm -hmm. as well to yeah, apply that yeah. knowledge there's yeah. a whole range of stuff my only sort of question and I suppose mm -hmm. this is something maybe I personally found yeah. so it's sort of a, a very sort of biased question is it's time, it's time. I find myself yeah. you know like say if I do uh, say like I'm talking at theories of education for argument's mm -hmm. sake and so you're sort of um, you might do a bit of flip learning so they sort of come in with a bit of knowledge and and, mm -hmm. and so on and then you're doing which is doing that metacognition and then you're sort of modeling and then you're like oh my gosh like literally yeah I, I've got to then I've still got da 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 and I yeah. know we've spoken previously like about on um, about different topics and stuff I know for me for example I was speaking to other teachers about like say crime it just keeps on well what I've done with that and it, it sort of is working within the metacognition aspect is your lovely tutor two videos that have come out have been a lifesaver and actually I get them to do the notes before the lesson so and it's that the notes are taken in such a way that they are reflective so that they're not just watching a video and they're not just like trying to copy every single word down and then there's a column for them to reflect and say do I have any questions about what that video has just said so I'm fine actually using textbook videos and the pre happening taking place before the lesson that I'm having more time to do those other things within the lesson. Um, and so it's the second year I've done this now, because now the 13s are in really good routine with doing this, because they did this in year 12. I'm finding that I'm, I'm building in more time for that discussion and that reflection and that modeling. Um, 
I, I, the, a lot of the metacognitive activities I do surround feedback and giving back assessments because that's kind of where my interest in this stemmed from and that I had a cohort of psychology students that you would write reams of feedback but they wouldn't take it on board and I thought this is, this is a waste of time for me and clearly a waste of time for them because they're not taking it on board and that's where this all sort of was born from in terms of well how can I get them to self-regulate um, and through that, now I use things like when an assessment's come back, I uh, or after a test, for example, they'll do a pre-assessment wrapper and that they'll gauge how they thought they did and then they'll get it back and then they'll gauge it, oh, well, how did I actually do and how was my initial, was my initial judgment um, accurate? And there's research out there suggesting that students will overcompensate and say, of course, I did a great job. This is amazing. I did really well. And then they'll get it back and they'll think, okay, that, that wasn't the reality. I don't know what went wrong. So the, the whole point of the pre and post assessment wrappers is to get them thinking about the process that they went through to prepare for that test and assessment. Um, so I use a lot of metacognitive um, activities with feedback. And I do, I know time's an issue, but I always build in plenty of time for feedback because I just think it's so important in order for the students to make progress but that feedback process is very much a two-way process where I've marked their work I'll give whole class feedback and then they're reflecting on how how they've done and stuff so yeah mm, yeah no, and that makes a real real sense just interested in the sort of the pre like so they say they do the assessment say it's a 45 30 mark yeah 45 minutes do you then factor the time at the, the last 15 minutes to then yeah sort of a generic mark scheme and then give themselves a score or yeah just yeah themselves? and it's yeah. just a again it's just a series <clears throat> of prompts some of the prompts will be focused on how they prepared for it because that's all about self-regulating nine times out of ten students haven't done well on a test because they haven't used effective revision techniques so that's another thing we look at with metacognition within my subject is equipping the students with strategies for revision that are actually effective um, and then um, and then the other parts of the prompts are just about how they thought their quality of work was, how they felt they did on certain assessment objectives using mark schemes and so forth. So it's not so much mark driven, the assessment wrappers, it's more about the process that they went through and that then they can make hopefully progress because what I have them then do after each assessment is bring back the previous assessment to see if they're writing the same things in terms of what they need to improve. And if that's the case, then they're not being reflective learners and they need to come up with new strategies to, in order to, you know, to make progress. And that's interesting, isn't it? To sort of bring out their previous and put them side by side as an yeah, activity. Yeah, it, it, and it's almost, like a, you can map across, couldn't you? Get yes, them to think about, yes, okay, yeah. well, where, have you, you know, have you, and that's the, lots of people will be analysis I think I think it, yeah yeah definitely just, so, yeah. especially if they've revised they sort of want to tell you yeah. everything don't they they've learned yeah so actually look mapping across you you know feedback for example wasn't analysis in the past let's look at your current essay okay, and, and yeah and that you said that was your action point for next time but yes that's yeah. a really, I, yeah, yeah. That's a really I'm, I'm borrowing so that I've just done sure. this because I I first week of term I set my 13s it was a theories essay on the contributions, evaluate the contributions of feminism. Mm -hmm. And so obviously their essay was all about feminism, but they didn't answer the question, well, what's the contribution here? And they didn't show the relative, they, didn't, it, they just didn't answer the question. They just gave me a load of sociology. So I purposely, this assessment they've just handed in for me on Monday was evaluate the contributions that media's had on our understanding of crime and deviance. So that then they're starting to they, it's that idea of they're activating their previous case. So Mrs. Watts has given us loads of feedback on this. We went through what contributions should, you know, how that should look in an essay. 
and my then I give them another one and I've noticed on the second one because I've marked them more of them are now starting to pick that up not all of them have because we learners are at different stages but again they're going to have a test when we come back which is going to be evaluate the contributions of labeling theory so it's this idea of you need to understand that it's not just an evaluate it's there's mm -hmm. something else to that question um because they're similar to the usefulness questions etc um so the idea is that then most students should pick on it not all students will because when we're looking at metacognition there's different types of learners so we have tacit learners who are completely unaware of any sort of strategy they can use um so and so forth um and then we've got oh I'm blank tacit and then aware learners so they're aware of their different strategies but they don't know which ones to use, then most learners fall into the strategic category and that they've had developed strategies in the past that say helped them at GCSE. So they are pretty certain they're gonna work with them at A-level. And these are the ones like when you introduce Cornell note-taking, go mental because they're going, but that's not how I've done it. So that obviously that's not going to work. So they're very resistant to trying new ways of doing things. Mm. Um, and then we've got a reflective learners and that's like, that's like the, that's what we want. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, so actually those pre and post assessment wrappers are really good for me as a head of department because I can pick out those tacit learners straight away. And they're the ones that obviously will need more intervention straight away. Um, so we are picking them up quite by October half term of year 12. So we know they need an intervention in place to help them sort of move themselves along. So the tacit learners, the ones that haven't got strategies in place, they just don't have an aware and they don't have strategies in place. Yeah. They, yes. they're, they're most likely our weakest learners, unfortunately, but they're mm -hmm. just, um, they've just sort of just bumbled through their GCSEs and they just don't, they're not strategic. Even if they would get them up to being strategic, that would be great. They just, um, and that sometimes is to do, but with the cognitive load of the subject as well. It's not necessarily just them. It's just like the difficulty of the A-level and the difficulty of, of what we're studying and so forth. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah, and I think it's, I think sometimes, I mean, what are your thoughts on, and I don't know, I was, I was just toying with this idea in my head as well, um, and I, I flip, I'm, I know we've all flipped between the two, you know, what's your teaching sociology, do you communicate the strategies and the reasons behind that to yes. your students, so yes. like, for example, like you've just mentioned that you talk about why you do the rappers and stuff, do you tell yeah. the students that mm -hmm. the reasoning behind that? Yeah, because you need to have buy-in. I mean, I'm not saying all they're going to buy in because I think the problem is just my just from teaching over here and I guess teaching general. I mean, I remember teaching in the early 2000s and it was always WWEBI and you have to mark in green pen. Mm. Um, and then the students had to make a target. But that just became like a process that everyone did. It didn't mean it was meaningful. Um, so I think a lot of our students have kind of gone through this system where we're all expecting this and the dirt task but it doesn't have meaning. It's just something that we just do because we're supposed to do it. Um, so me by explaining the rationale, and it's funny when you start to hear the light bulb go on after the third time I've asked them to look back to the previous rapper, they're like, oh, I'm writing the same thing. And I'm going, yes, that's why I'm having you do this because you're making the same mistake. Um, mm. Yeah, so rationale and things like when we're, we do a little sort of preparation with our students on effective ways to revise because we find that a lot of our students come in and they think just highlighting is a good strategy for revision. So again, it's all about explaining that rationale and then the idea of self-regulating is after. So they'll sit there, 12 will sit their first proper test in November for us. Um, they do little take-homes before September, but the first proper test is November, and part of that assessment wrapper, as I said, is looking at what did you do to revise, and really was that effective? I mean, Quizlets are great, but that's not going to catch the essence of 
what's going to help you, you know, uh, in sociology. So let's look at some revision strategies and why they are effective. And eventually some of your strategic mover learners will move on, but those strategic learners that have worked out ways that are successful for them, they're not going to necessarily move on to being reflective. They just know those mm. work for them. Um, but the idea as well is just working on those tasks that are more aware learners, getting them to be, have a realization that these methods might work better for these reasons. Oh gosh, it sounds like, and I'm just thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the voice of a, a, a sort of teacher that's yeah, been teaching yeah, four or five years. I'm just trying yeah. to put this, I, I mean, I, I have but I'm going to throw this out there. Yeah. How then, what would you, what would you prioritise? Because obviously you've got a scheme of work. I know. You've got maybe 30 children in front of you. Over, I know. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe 16 total year 12 and 30. Yeah. I know some colleges have got 120. Yeah, so you've got the marking yeah. load of that. Yeah. Um, I, and then do, what would you prioritise? What I do think you think has had me, the biggest impact? And the way this started, even though I'm very small, the way this all started out was with feedback. How do we mm -hmm. give more effective feedback? And then gradually, as we've become more confident and we've developed and evolved that, we've now moved into, okay, let's look at revision skills. Um, so it wasn't all overnight and this mm -hmm. bit about being reflective and feedback that was like that was like a three year that started typically just before COVID and we were gathering momentum and then COVID happened and then it sort of every like everything just went like okay we got to start over again when we came back into school so that actually took a few years to evolve and develop into what that needed to look like for my department and now as I said we're looking at revision and as I become more comfortable with the syllabus because obviously we've just introduced it a few years ago the idea of the flip learning which I note-taking which I've, I've shamefully have stolen from other sociology teachers on Twitter there you know these are not just like my ideas that I've sprung out of nowhere but that just became a way of time saving and actually that to be fair started out of COVID when it was so difficult teaching from home I could put on your brilliant tutor to you videos get them to watch it and they actually got the information that they, they needed to so that's kind of where that bore from but yeah you just need to start small and you need to mm. look at your department and think of what are the priorities for your department um, in order to move your students forward in terms of trying to make them reflective learners so yeah yeah and just another question because i'm trying to sort of be some of the i'm trying to think of the questions that other teachers yeah might be asking. Yeah. yeah and i definitely <laughs> I, I hear the buy-in i hear the enthusiasm yeah, i hear the passion yeah. you know and yeah. i understand like i i think you know i personally i i'm a big 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 fan of flip learning that's like my my go-to i think then you can focus on your AO2 and AO3 in the lesson, yes, not the yeah. AO1. And that's why I say mm -hmm. to students, you, we've got, you know, you've got an hour. If I'm standing, mm -hmm. it's just be boring for me just telling you what each yeah. key concept means. Would you come in with um, your keywords already defined? Okay, you might not know what some of those are. And then I'm going to reflect yeah. and highlight which ones they're a little bit unsure on. So that yeah. there's sort of yeah. like their awareness that some of the more complex ones, yeah. potentially, that might be like not as transparent, like, but that's self—that's yeah. getting your students to self-regulate right there by them being able to do it. Not mm. all your students will be able to do that, but no. by them being able to highlight, that is a form of self-regulation because they're saying, "Yeah, mm. I don't, I don't get that." Yeah, I write yeah. it, but I don't know what it that necessarily. Yeah. Or they're highlighting everything, and you're like, oh, yeah. actually, how far is that true that you don't know <laughs> yes. that?" Um, you just know, like a coloured pen. Makes it look, yeah, it just makes it look pretty. Thing. Yeah, and then, but then I was thinking, you know, and then obviously you said you know big assessment feedback is a really big mm -hmm. way and I, I, I me personally i think the, the one that i don't really do or i don't do is really get them to put those two essays next to next to each other i get them to yeah. highlight where they're doing the a1 and a2 and a3 i get them to do 
generally where they think they are banded off and then yep. afterwards um yep. and, where, and where they can so we're doing stuff but i don't actually and i think why don't i do that it's a simple thing because yeah. they should have it in their folder but you know how then do you get i mean i was thinking it's like as a as an individual sole teacher or mm. running a small <laughs> department i was just thinking that might again be easier small class size but that's again i think as well what you need to do is you need to prioritize your department where mm. i have luxury we have the technology at my school so i mean mm. if i worked down the road i probably wouldn't have that technology so i wouldn't have that luxury um so it's just all about looking at as i said just your department and where where you can sort of feed these things in because ultimately i just think self-regulation is so important for outside mm. of school as well that oh, they definitely. need to be able to self-regulate especially that the world they're going into is so different to the world that I entered into the world of work in that I just think it's a skill that's needed for life. Um, mm. So I've, as again, I've just, I've just honed in on, and I suppose I've picked also feedback, not just because it was quite apparent they weren't listening to my feedback, but I really enjoy doing reading around assessment and stuff. So it's a bit sad. <laughs> and that's why I actually enjoy exam marking. I do it for psychology. I just, I just, I, I, I enjoy looking at where the issues are and then I'm picking that and making a plan and making this better for, you know, the next sort of cohort. So I suppose that's where sort of my interest in, well, how can we get this feedback process less sort of teacher led, more student initiative and not just like a process. We have to do this because we have to give feedback. Because I think mm. I, if I said like eight years ago, nine years ago, feedback, I always found really difficult to do because I was like, how do I do this sort of thing? So it just has just come with just doing reading um looking at the context in which i'm teaching in and then prioritizing how that sort of needs to look mm, definitely i mean all, i literally love the, i mean if you are a reflective yeah i think that's what you're in that, yeah you're yeah. in that group but how yeah. do you think there's a question on the back of that so i'm just again i'm just playing devil's advocate how yeah, then no, do you no, so no. if you've got a big big department say you've got mm -hmm. four members of staff within your social sciences department how would you ensure that there is that consistency so like for example well, like you were talking about the wraps for argument's sake. Mm -hmm. Are there forms that, the, that are sort of generic? That yeah, the, so the I've got a standard, in? yeah, we've got a department set and all I just do is change it, um, like the topic according to what it's on. And yeah, I, I mean, even though I have a small department, the buy-in to start with was a bit tricky, um, but it just became, this is what the department's doing. I mean, I am a collaborative head of department, but certain things it's just like, it's, it's non-negotiable. Um, mm sort of thing so and this was one of those non-negotiable things um but again with the members of staff it was just sort of like this is why we're doing it this is why i think we need to do it and this is what my vision is as head of department so now we're at a point where everyone's doing it but you're right i just have a standard template that everybody everybody uses um mm. and so there's again it's not onerous in making up that resource it's there it's ready to go and i just edit it based on what the assessment is so yeah yeah, making sure and what about flip learning because obviously how do you manage that thing because obviously say like you're a split class i'm just trying to think of all the different yeah no i'm so a split class I, yeah and so like, yeah i'm teaching one i know the other teacher like, that that I share the class with, he doesn't do the flip learning. That's not, I mean, that's, it doesn't, he doesn't do it. So this is just my sort of baby. And I, again, I did it a lot with crime and deviance because I realized I wasn't going to get through crime and deviance if we didn't do it. Because <laughs> it just keeps going. Um, so it's that, like you like putting a piece of string. You're like, oh my goodness, there's still more. Yeah, we finally finished labeling theory last week. It's like we're finally done labeling theory. Um, so yeah, um, I'll be finished so, by the end of next week. So that yeah, yeah. so I'm like yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so 
I mean, that's just something I, do. I don't insist my department does. Um, it's just something I do. But I just find that that just then gives more time in the lesson to, like you said, do the AO2 and work on the AO3 as well. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I, I love talking to you. I, I'd love to catch up again, <laughs> maybe outside this about... I can talk hours about this stuff. No, it's good. It's, no, it's, I find it really, really practical stuff. So look, I, I have that buy-in. I, I really do. I, I am, like I said, a big fan of, of flip learning. I think then the students then come in with the knowledge and they're able to be more... They've got that time to be reflective because yeah. their headspace isn't just, like you said content like it's just like oh yeah goodness, or that i need content to copy these notes down yeah and i was thinking you know yeah. give them the a1 give them the a1 if the worst comes to the worst you haven't got much time to flip learning you know say like you need to do some revision so i try and do it that homework says flipped revision flip revision flip revision so it's yeah. just like a bit of that but like then i'll just give them the a1 so i'll give them yeah you know, yeah yeah, what yeah that is in a grid and then they concentrate on the a2 and a3 yeah that's what i get that and I, and I think gosh yeah i get that by and i also think you know that i i do get students to think about their own learning and reflective of it once they're doing yeah. assessment it's amazing i think it's just being conscious that different teachers will be different stages in their career Completely. and they might be just yeah. getting their head round you know we've had talks on here about people to win well how do I teach structure and action debate um yeah, so I yeah, suppose it's thinking yeah. about their own where they are in their professional teach, capacity yeah, like yeah. you've just said um but yeah, yeah thank I you I mean I would say I mean I have a seven-year-old so any reading I do lots of reading but it has to be reading I can get done in like a half an hour when he's doing swimming lessons so I don't spend hours and hours reading because I just don't have the time to do it so mm. um I'll read anything that I can do in that half an hour so and actually I have yeah I have done quite a bit of, of reading. Um, so anything I do, and I, cause I do a lot of obviously reading into teaching and learning. Um, I only try things that I think are gonna value the students. So I know there's that big debate between traditional and progressive teaching. I think I probably fall somewhere in the middle of it all because I'm willing to give things a try if I can see value and merit that it's going to be ultimately the best for my students, not for me, if that makes sense, so yeah. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. So that is actually one of my mantras I have in my head all the time. Value added. Like, is this going to yes. add value, or is it just? I mean, sometimes value added might not be progression. It might be building rapport with students and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I'm also a big fan of audibles, and I'm reason to say that is because I, 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 you sort of can get, <laughs> you can multitask with this. <laughs> so, a feminist sociologist will have a lot to say about this. But, about this. Um, <laughs> yeah. The emotional load and everything else, but so, I, I yeah, yeah. so if you can't yeah. sit there and read a book, uh, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, oh, what yeah. you're so interesting. Thank you. No, for your time. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate it, yeah. and it's lovely to speak to someone that is so enthusiastic about not only mm. sociology but also yeah. psychology as well, and also teaching and learning. And like you said, yes. you sit somewhere in between. Yeah. But and it, it sounds like you're you're always trying new things, which is amazing. Yes, because it's interesting now with AI. Now this is just folded. Mm. It's a new spanner, and I'm looking at that within my department now as well. And there's just so many new facets coming into play, and how that how does that affect teaching and learning, and how does that affect self-regulating? Because I had an essay in from a student; it's clearly from chat. I could mm. I could see where it was from, um, and she was saying, "Oh well, you know, I you know, you didn't say I couldn't use the internet." And I was like, "Yeah, you can use the internet." <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't necessarily answer the question. <laughs> well, I've, so. had a lot of, I've, I've had a lot of teachers now that have moved away from doing homework essays at, yeah. <laughs> at home. Oh, they only do it in class yeah. because class of that. Yeah. And then they, and think it's just using homework time to either plan an essay. Uh, yeah. And so even if they use AI, they've still got to 
to write the essay yeah write the essay we can process it so i think it's an interesting one to follow i know we've spoken to a few people about that as well but thank you for your time thank you so much and it's amazing I, i hope that you know people that listen to this will also take some sort of golden nugget away from it so thank you for your time (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure they will do thank you thank you for sharing take care care. bye bye the sociology stuff room is brought to you by tutor to you sociology find us at tutor to you.net forward slash sociology or follow us on twitter at tutor to you sock or instagram at tutor to you sock you can also join our very lively facebook groups for sociology teachers see you soon